Dominic Carter here, Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are going old school today, as the kids would say, to highlight a living legend. As a kid growing up in New York City, the Bronx, I was a huge fan of the TV police show, Starsky and Hutch. I didn't know the show was based on the real life experiences of a New York City detective and his partner, who is my guest right now. He has five decades of law enforcement. Lou Tolano, the president of the New York Veteran Police Association. Thank you so much for being here with us. Well, you're right when you said old school. That's <laughs> <laughs> Old school, but a legend, but a legend. I want to start this way. Tell me about your decorated NYPD detective career. You and your partner were undercover before there was even, if you will, undercover. You worked plain clothes, I believe, back in the 1960s. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, back in the, back in the 60s, uh, uh, we had an idea. Uh, how to be in plain view and not be seen. So that was part of it. So we became part of the background, dressed as a sanitation man uh, in the street. So they would see us, but not see us. But prior to that, we were actually, when I say we were discovered in night court, uh, Dominic, we were in night court and I was wearing, uh, in those 60s, like you mentioned, I was wearing a leather headband. I had black hair down to my shoulders. One of the first males to wear earring, I think, you know, and uh, my partner, tall, looked tall, looked like the Lone Ranger, and he always wore sunglasses, and we're standing in the back of the courtroom. Uh, cops didn't even know who we were. They were saying, look at the two dirt bags in the back. They won't even sit down. The other guy won't take off his, his hat. And uh, and the, you locked up a, a, a drug dealer, I think from Bushwick, uh, Brooklyn, uh, and he was on the stand. And you know, Dominic, I'm familiar with uh, the court system because prior to walking the beat in the street, I walked the beat in the jails. I've never seen a hearing, I search a hearing at an arraignment. That night, uh, the legal aid asked the uh, DA and the judge he'd like to have a hearing, and it was granted. So now they say to the drug dealer, can you point out the, the, the cops or the people that locked you up? And he pointed way in the back there and he says, that guy, Tonto. And the Daily News was there on another case when they heard that. And they said, what? Those two guys are cops? They couldn't be believe you were cops. In fact, the cops in, in uniform couldn't believe you were cops. So uh, Daily News did a story the following day. And then uh, we sort of became infamous or famous in the news media in New York, 60s, 70s, and even early part of the 80s. Wow. Wow. Now, you are now, I believe, 87 years old. Is that correct? Oh, my God. You would, you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you have the energy, honestly, of a, uh, of a, of a 40-year-old man uh, mentally and physically. But here's the bottom line. You added new definition to undercover work. You dress like potential victims to draw out criminals in high crime areas. You and your partner masqueraded, I believe, 
Well, I, you know what? Rather than me describing it, you tell us some of the uh, some of the uh, outfits from from an Orthodox Jew to whatever else you've done in terms of undercover work. I'm going to tell a quick story. Uh, I learned how to speak a little Yiddish from being born on New York's Lower East Side. So uh, Hasidic Jews were being uh, mugged and they wear these uh, shamu hats, they call They're worth hundreds of dollars. And the uh, kids in the street, some of them were stealing their hats. So we dressed as two Hasidic Jews. And uh, my partner, being a typical Italian guy from East New York, and he couldn't speak any, any, any Yiddish. So I said, look, John, just say one word and you can get along with it. The word is Azoi. Azoi, for an example, someone would say, oh, your, your granddaughter. Was uh, I went I went to her brother's bar mitzvah. You go, oh, azoi, azoi, azoi. Oh, I lost my tatala, my my grandparents. Oh, azoi, azoi. So I was trying to teach John, you know, how the you got to have the body language. You got to do the movement with it. So in case somebody walks over and talks to you and they start speaking to you, even Hebrew or Yiddish, you can get away with that one word. So standing on Nostrand Avenue, Brooklyn, and we would take turns running across the street buying the Jewish newspapers, standing there dressed as ascetics. By the way, a rabbi dressed us up. So we went to a local synagogue, uh, synagogue and a rabbi dressed us up to look like ascetic Jew. So I'm standing across the street, uh, and there's a lot of traffic because Lee Avenue was a continuation of Nostrand Avenue. And John, big guy, 6'1", 6'2", 200-pounder, these little kids, they called yeshiva because uh, go to the Jewish schools, and I don't see anybody near him. And uh, by the way, he was practicing Azoi for two days. So, and I would try to get him from, he, he would say, hey, Azoi, Azoi. And he said, John, you can't do that. <laughs> you got to do the whole body movement. So I, I, I figured there's something going on that I don't see. I run across the street and I say, John, John, what's the matter? He says, I forgot the word. <laughs> <laughs> Undercover, you have to remember the word. Now, there are reports that you guys did a good humor trucks, that you dressed up as women undercover. Is that true? And where did you get your material from? Where did you get the uh, outfits? And and did you guys use a good humor truck at one point? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, it, you know, you couldn't in those days, it would look awkward for a guy walking into a place buying women's clothing unless you're going to, you know, you're going to buy a gift for a loved one. So we would buy uh, we would use uh, stuff from the family, you know, your mother you <laughs> would use their clothing. And that's that's where we get the attire from. Yeah. And there was a rash of assaults on uh, females. And uh, we, we would do that. We were, there was a rash of assaults on, on uh, gay men on the boardwalk in Coney Island. We would walk tight pants, white pants, and walking, hugging each other, walking on the boardwalk. And one day it was a terrible scene because we're walking on the boardwalk and we're hugging each other. And a family walks by and they spot my partner and they say, oh, my God, that's Mr. Seppi. He's married and has children. And he said to me, you son of a, what'd you talk me into doing? So uh, now we had a lot of fun uh, also doing that. You have to enjoy your work. And we actually, we enjoy, we got a kick out of dressing like women. So, uh, but uh, no connection. We're just fun. <laughs> no. So, so uh, you told a story about uh, how the drug dealer referred to you in the back of the courtroom as Tonto. 
Is that where the you and your partner were called the Lone Ranger and, and Tonto? Is that where that came from? Exactly. Yeah, it came in during the night court when uh, I was called Tonto, obviously. And then uh, my partner did look like Clayton Moore. He did resemble him. So just, and I look like Jay Silverheels. I'm realizing it. And uh, it, again, as they say, it's uh, history. Uh, New York Times did a, a great feature on uh, my late partner and myself. And uh, 20th Century Fox uh, looked at it. And they they reached out for us, and that's how and that's how Starsky and Hutch was born. Wow! On Wikipedia about the TV show Starsky and Hutch, it says the I'm quoting here the characters and even some uh, plot points were based on real life New York City detectives Lou Tolano and John Seppi, I believe he pronounces his name, who gained notoriety and commendations for their unconventional yet effective undercover police work. The show's production team spent considerable time with the two detectives during their daily routines. Is that accurate? Where the production teams for the TV show, the legendary TV show, and I'm going to get to what is it like to be a, a cop in these days but is it true the team from starsky and hutch they followed you guys around or come up with the plots for for the actors uh how do i say this we weren't pleased with it my late partner and i uh it was it was good i gotta say it was a great show it was good so what they did was they obviously they gave us two polish names and they put us into another state you know for the show starsky and hutch to us we you know in in those days we would love to see it more stronger, more realistic, like today's present police shows. So even though it was good, I did have I did have the uh, red car. I did have a light and Simon in the car. We did have a bomb on the back, uh, not a drinking bar, a bar that you hang, which you handcuff prisoners with. That that's accurate. Yeah, driving through the streets like maniacs through New York City, accurate. Wrestling and wrestling and with the uh, suspects in the street that was pretty much accurate but overall it wasn't as, <laughs> as it was entertaining but it wasn't as realistic as we would have liked it to be okay so we only have a few minutes left here what is it like to be a police officer today uh, because from my perspective they have almost an impossible job thankless job where all of this nonsense about defund the police and they have to be social worker, fa father figure, uh, coaches, police officers, psychiatric counselors. What is it like to be a police officer today? You know, Dominic, uh, police officers are always social workers. They always help people out on the street. We would get people say, uh, you know, my, my daughter has an illness and they would ask, you know, they would assume the cop on the corner knows it all. So, and, you would you would use compassion, use sincerity, and 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 you would help out. Uh, and then you have to be the bad guy or the tough guy, I should say, when you had to. Uh, but at, at least when you were the tough guy during my era, you had the backing. Today's cops, just like in my time, I have to tell you this: anyone that walks out of a police locker room with a blue shirt, he is a hero. Just to just to do that alone. So absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. You are a thousand percent accurate. Please continue. So, but the, the thing today, it's the same in my day. Cops are not afraid of the bad guy. 
I don't care if there's a gun, a knife, a hatchet, whatever. Otherwise, you wouldn't be putting on that blue shirt. You wouldn't take that job. You know, you couldn't do it. You couldn't. It's like a boxer. You could. You're not going to step into the ring if you're afraid or concerned. They are reluctant to do their job, hesitant to do their job, but not because of the criminals. In the case of New York City, it's because of the mayor and the New York City Council. They are they are worst than the criminals that cops have to face on a daily basis in the city of New York. That is one of the concerns. You, In my day, yeah, you can get jammed up. Yes, a, a cop can get indicted. He can lose his pension. But today, if you get to that, uh, you know, get an issue like that, they can take you home. They can take your car. They can take your bank account. So aside, besides being criminally uh, held accountable, can be held accountable civilly. So a cop's going to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to lose my home, my, my kids, and my pension for some dirtbag who had a, had a wrestle with in the street, some guy who stole some old lady's pocketbook or somebody that raped somebody. And, and all of a sudden, the suspect has all these politicians protecting them and not me. Hey, I'm going to st- stand back, make an observation, and the only time I'll arrest somebody is if there's a street fight, a gunfight, they're going to attempt to lock up the winner. But they're not going to jump into it. I know that for a fact. They're not going to jump into the middle of a gun battle like we did. I'm not going to say me and my partner are great heroes, but the majority of the cops did exactly what me and John did in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, Dominic. So, Lou, I, I close this way. Lou Tolano, the president of the New York Veteran Police Association. Is that why crime is going up? Why, in your professional opinion, five decades of law enforcement, why is crime go- going up at the, the numbers that we are witnessing? Of course, the cops are not rushing to scenes anymore. Uh, they're, they're not rushing to because they might get involved in the situation where the politicians, for political reasons, assume that by helping the bad guys, that's going to help them uh, be reelected. And somehow they found the bad guy. I don't know how this happened. And the bad guy is the is the men and women in blue. I really don't know how that happened. Like you had mentioned a moment ago, defund the police. I mean, it's it's mind boggling. You know. The, there are people out there like the event that I was uh, pleased to be invited. And I was also thank you for being a guest on your show back the blue uh, day at uh, WMCA. Uh, it's true what they were saying. The majority of people in the city of New York back the blue. But Dominic, they just happen to be a silent majority. That's the problem. So cops are reluctant. They're reluctant. And they're reluctant. Not worried about getting shot. They're worried about getting arrested or losing their... Uh, in losing their job, their pension, I could keep going. That is the biggest fear. And that's one of the issues we got to. And so that's so. And there's a lack, there's a lack of acknowledgement, support and respect from our political leaders, not only in New York, but throughout the country, Dominic, as we all know. Well, Lou Tolano, uh, the president of the New York Veteran Police Association. And wait, before before I wrap up, tell me about the association, because I want to thank you for all your years of service. But tell me about the New York Veteran Police Association. Thank you for asking. It's the oldest police organization in the country. We were the first one to implement pensions 
uh, in the early 1900s or a New York City police officer. We started, my organization, uh, we didn't become the union because they decided in those years to stay fraternal and we are still fraternal. So, and what we'll do is uh, we'll help families and, and um, widows and children of law enforcement who died in the line of duty or injured in the line of duty, not only in New York, New York State, we do that throughout, throughout the country. And uh, I have to say this, I'm gonna get a little political. We are the first law enforcement organization to endorse uh, Donald Trump. Right, well, Mr. Chilano, I, I can only, I can't accurately thank you for what you've done for this city, this state, and this country. I'm not talking about some television show. I'm talking about putting your life on the line each and every encounter with a suspect where you might not be alive today. You're 87 years old, 87 years young, and it could have gone terribly wrong with one of these stops. And thank God it didn't. You have amazing children. I was talking to one of them, a retired New York State uh, state trooper. You are an amazing human being. Please keep doing what you are doing and enjoy your retirement. I don't see you fully retiring, but please, 87 years young, Please enjoy your retirement. I give you the last word. I just want to mention uh, my late son, uh, retired New York City Detective Sergeant uh, Lou Tolano Jr. Uh, I want to just mention that uh, somehow someone like myself born, we used to call it the slums or the ghetto at Lower East Side. I somehow got out of it and created a cop family. So, uh, I don't know how I did it, but it was done. So it, it tells kids out in the street who think or lived in the projects like I did, like I did at one time, you could be and do anything you want because this is the greatest country in the world. Well, I thank you very much for joining us. Lou Tolano, the president of the New York Veteran Police Association. Dominic Carter here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can join me weeknights, weeknights at midnight, midnight to 1 a.m., midnight to 1 a.m. Always, folks, stay positive. The glass is half full. Never half empty. It does not matter in life where you start out, start at. What matters in life is where you are going. I will see you the next time.